1: It's Leaf game night, and it's a late one, so why not put something in your ears to keep you entertained as I arrive with my buddy, Jim Berger, and we talk about some Maple leaf, some Coyotes, some rumors, and things that are going on around this team. Jim, how's the night, of you, my buddy?
0: I'm doing well tonight, man. You know, like you said, Leafs game night, it's late. It's late on the East Coast. Probably, what, eleven fifteen your time official puck drop after the anthems, after all the national hoopla. So, 10.15, my time. And, don't. oh, by the way, if we're going to talk about late games, by the way, the Bruins and Weathers are supposed to drop the puck at 10 o'clock. That ain't happening. Or 10.30, I think. That ain't happening. That'll be an 11 o'clock puck drop.
1: Oh, yeah. It'll be extended as well. So, some late-night puck, it's never a bad thing. And it doesn't happen too many times for Leaf fans throughout the season where it's that far. Even Vancouver, they switch their time to regular time for the Maple Leafs when they stroll to town. But – Right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs are absolutely rolling, and there's a guy out of the lineup because of a situation and he put himself in, got suspended for five games, With the Leafs, they are winning for Mo, in my opinion. I think this galvanized the team. They seem to be sticking up for each other more, and it seems to have this team heading right now towards trade deadline in the right direction. Do you agree or disagree on that?
0: I think so. I 100% agree on that. I think they're playing for Morgan Riley, 100%. And I think Riley set the tone. Now, look, I think both guys are stupid in that aspect of everything. There's some things you need to, you know, work on if you're on both sides of a party, but I don't have I don't think I have an issue with what Morgan Riley did. It was just more of going to the head because I think, you know, a guy like Ridley is going to shoot a slap shot on top of the crease, all right? You're going to have to answer for it eventually. But for some reason, this team plays better with Morgan Riley out of the lineup. They just keep things simpler. They play simple hockey, play smart defensively. And when you're going to have performances like you're getting from Elias Sampson off and Martin Jones, I mean, you know, with Joseph Hall having that conditioning stint now and the Marlies, he's getting close to returning. You know, the adversity this team is going through, they're not in a playoff spot. They are, but we don't really know the matchup. Last couple of years, we knew that they kind of cruised city through this, through February, through March. until I, This adversity with Tampa nipping, with Detroit there, I think this has really helped the Maple Leafs find who they really are and know that they can dig deep and find their game when it matters most.
1: Well, it seems that way right now. And you're right. The past few seasons, this team has known who they're going to play pretty much in December. It doesn't really change. They know that they're locked in for a 3-2 matchup. Whether it's them at two, someone at three, them at three, someone at two, it didn't matter. Now this is like you know you got to play for your games, play for your right to make your dance, and you got to punch your own ticket, which is good because it shows guys pressure games early, and especially guys like Matthew Nyes, and maybe you can even go down the lineup to guys who are young like Lejoie, or you talk about Benoit, just guys who have not made the dance before and this really can bring them along in pressure games before the real pressure games begin. And the Maple Leafs really haven't had to do that. They could rest guys, hold guys out, do this, do that. Now they have to win to make sure they're in, and it's good for this team, I think, to have to be constantly rolling. The other part of that, though, is do you peak too early? I don't think the Maple Leafs are right now, but there are some other teams that are cruising like the Florida Panthers that may be hitting stride just a bit too soon?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Florida Panthers right now are probably the best team in the National Hockey League. Them and the New York Rangers, I mean, both of them have extended – uh, their winning streaks, the Rangers have gone to eight, the Panthers have gone to six, but I, I believe the Panthers are the better team right now. Uh, but yeah, Panthers are playing like the team everybody thought they were a few seasons ago, right? When they had 100 points, President's Trophy, lost to Tampa in second round. Probably should have lost to Washington in the first round if Washington knew how to play defense and oh. get a save. They probably would have upset the Panthers in the first round of playoffs that year. But, you know, they're playing really well under Paul Maurice. Um, would have thought Sam Reinhart be a 40 goal scorer? I don't think anybody saw that coming. No. Carter Verhage continues to play well. They have some things that they have to look at in the offseason. But I think the Maple Leafs, to be honest, are finding their stride at the right time because, you know, you get the ups and downs of a season. And this is kind of where we saw Florida start to find that groove last year before they made it uh, and get into playoffs and just start to roll. And if you're good – and I think the break for Sam Sonoff really helped him. Like he's really yeah. found his game – He's giving them the saves. They're getting confidence. Now it's okay. Now we just don't have confidence in Joseph Wall or Martin Jones or somebody else is in net. Now we can go to Samson off because this is the guy we were paying money to, and this is why we signed him. So now Toronto is playing really good hockey. And, you know, I watched the game the other day against St. Louis, and I was really impressed with their defensive effort. You know, Sheldon Keefe's got this. Everybody's buying in and everybody's stepping up. And I think that's what you have to do. you got to have your depth player step up. At this time of year, because they're the dog days of March, the eyes of February, whatever you want to say, it's a lot of these games can be tough to play. But when a team is fighting to sit third or you know get the second wild card, and it can change like that, I, I like the way the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing.
1: No, definitely, it's going to be some interesting hockey for them down the stretch. Now, the question has now become: Would you trade Easton Cowan or Frazier Mitten for Lawson Krause? Or another player. And I'll say this the Leafs have been always so quick to move off of prospects. I think a guy like Easton Cowan deserves a look come next season. Same thing with Frazier Minton, but those are your two real blue chips to move on in and make something of them. For me, I'm not doing it. I'm not moving either of those. You can have my picks. You could take a Topi Nemela. You could take Nick Robertson. But those two guys I think will be very key parts to this Maple Leaf lineup that's going to need cheap, effective forwards going forward with this group. But for you, would you trade Easton Cowan or Frazier Minton for Lawson Crouse?
0: I don't think I would do it. I don't think you just you just drafted Easton Cowan, right? I mean, you just picked him. You just got Frazier Minton a couple years before that, so – I wouldn't give up on these guys just yet. I know you always have to give up something to get something, but do the Maple Leafs really need to make a move of that impact to give up one of those guys? They've done it in the past under Kyle Dubis and you know Brad living He's here. He's trying to figure out what this team is and who they are, but I don't get the sense that they really want to give up prospects like Cowan and Mitten. I think they want to see – what they are for next year and if they can enter the lineup and fill roles then okay you have something if they can't then maybe they become trade chips next year but I do believe that they want to get these players into the lineup at some point and you mentioned cheap affordable players because of what we know is going to kick in next year well you look at the Rangers Brzezinski just signed a two-year cheap extension You know, Matt Rempe's just come up for the Rangers. That's what they're kind of doing with their bottom six. Cheap, affordable, homegrown talent. I think that's what the Maple Leafs need to do here. If maybe this is the year Nick Robertson finally gets moved. You know, he's starting to play better, but maybe it is his time. Uh, We heard for years, no, Nick Robertson can't be traded. He can't be traded. No, 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 no. Maybe this is the year you move move them to get something. And to be honest, I think that first-round pick may not be in play either, even though it is, it isn't. I think they want to hold on to it and try to develop that system a little bit more. That's kind of bare right now.
1: Well, for me, I look at it like this with the uh, the first-round pick. What do you do when you want teams to value or covet something more? You tell them it's not available. So then a team comes to you and says, well, I want that first-round pick. Here's what we're willing to do. You want Tanov or you want Hannafin or you want Blake Coleman or whatever guy it is. Just fill in the line. We will give you the exclusive negotiating window. Go ahead. Get a deal done so he's extended and a part of your organization long term. We'll add that pick. We'll throw this guy in. You throw that in. Then we get that first round pick. It's making your assets more valuable. Hey, I'm not moving my first round pick. What will it take from us? For you to move that first-round pick, now we want it. Now you're making me think about it. So you add a little value to your own stuff. Same thing with Nick Robertson. No, he's playing great. We're not moving Nick Robertson. Hey, teams do it all the time. All of a sudden, boom, a guy's moved. P.K. Subban wasn't going anywhere. But all of a sudden, you had a chance to get Shea Weber. Boom, that deal was done. So it makes your asset look better by saying, I'm not moving that. That is our guy. That is our pick. We love it. We don't want to get rid of it. Oh, you're offering up? A whole boatload? Well, yeah, of course, we'll move it now. Of course.
0: Of course, you know, because so that's what you that do.
1: You offered what I've wanted, but now you know what I think my pick is worth, and I'm not going to move it just for nothing. Because everybody keeps saying Toronto's pick's going to be in the 20s. So what's it really worth? Well, you know what? Bradley Trelawing said, fine, if you don't want it, I'm going to keep my pick, and now you can't have it. And then teams are like, ha, oh, I want that pick. How do we get that pick now? So now he's made it something. It's something teams will want, and now it's talked about in the media. Everybody's saying, well, Toronto may or may not move their pick. So now everybody's like, well, whoa, oh, oh, if we want that pick, we better step up and get that pick. Otherwise, we're not going to. And guess what? Calgary, nobody's offering a first round pick for Tanev. Wow, isn't that something?
0: I know, right? It isn't because we've heard Tanev's second round pick, you know, and there are teams that have that. Obviously, Toronto doesn't really have too many second round picks uh, in these next couple of drafts. So hence why that first round pick becomes important. And I think as we get closer to the deadline, that first round pick may have some value to it, as you say, but again, is it the first Bring round me pick?
1: I can of and a Coleman and my first round pick is
0: available. Exactly. Give me that. Give me both defensemen, whatever, how you want to look at this. Um, but, you know, if you look at what the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing and you've seen, in, and we, and I mentioned the Florida Panthers of a year ago, their best, Decision was not to do anything and let the group go as is into the playoffs. And they made a run to the Stanley Cup final. Now, caveat that do not try to follow what the St. Louis Blues and the Florida Panthers that is like rarefied air and it usually doesn't happen. Look, the Kings, when they made the playoffs in 14 and 12, were a legit playoff team that felt that finished. In the last spot in the playoffs to make the playoffs. Everybody knew they were a playoff team yep. and then they showed up in the playoffs. Okay, we know what they are. We know Toronto's a playoff team. Maybe they need to add a little depth here and there, but do they really need to swing for the fence like they've done in years past? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. The guy I would look at, and maybe they can get him on the cheap. I would bring back a guy like Ilya Labushkin because I thought he was a good fit for the Toronto Maple Leafs on that back end. Bring a little bit more physicality back there, move some guys in front. That's a guy I would target or a Mario Ferraro in San Jose because you know those guys could be available.
1: Yeah, there's a rumor floating around right now about Mario Ferraro. I just look at it like this. Maple Leafs need someone to play with Riley. You need to move TJ Brody down, who's looked good on the left side, has had no issues lately. That means, what are you doing right you're putting a player in a position to succeed. Mm-hmm. When you do that with guys who are struggling before, now you've found his groove. Keep him in that groove. Find someone for Riley on the other side and keep it rolling. The other thing the Leafs are bad at, their Achilles heel, it's a penalty kill. Yes. As I keep saying, you take out that list and you look at all the best penalty killers in the National Hockey League for the past two seasons, and you see who's close to either expiring or has a year left, and you go and get them. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely, 100%. Who's who's that list? Who are the guys that are the UFAs this year? Who are the affordable UFAs? Not something you have to overpay for. Like, we're talking about the Tanevs, the Hannafins, and we know kind of Hannafin wants to play south of the border, um, kind of closer to home. That's why kind of New Jersey's always in the mix. Boston's in the mix. Teams like that are looking and sniffing around Hannafin. But as we've said, you, know, you look at the Labushkins, you look at, you know, the Mario Ferraros. Who else is available that's UFA that can help your team? Is it Sean Walker something that you want to look at that can help you out? I I think those are players that this team has to look at and say, okay, what can we pick up? Who can we afford? And maybe we can keep our biggest asset so we can draft for the future and help this team moving forward because they've done a great job. And I think Brad Trilliving really wants to do that.
1: No, I really think he does. And I really think that this team obviously wants to fill the coverage back up. But if you start making moves by dealing out picks, maybe you get something back. Maybe you get a second-round pick back or a third-round pick back. Or you do what the Leafs did last year when they went and traded Rasmus Sandin and you go get a pick, a first-rounder, back from another team. You know, if you have a surplus of something, <clears throat> Martin Jones. Yes. Uh, go and flip them for a for a couple of maybe a third and a fourth, or maybe a second and something if a team's desperate for goaltending to stabilize their position if someone's nicked up. But there's lots that can come down for this team. But one thing that I like and I'm excited about, and I heard about it yesterday right here on the show, was Trey Living was held back in Calgary by ownership. Mm-hmm. Trey Living was not able to make the moves he wanted to make, bring in the things, bring in the assets, bring in the players, whatever you want to do. He wasn't able to do those things, and he was also hampered by a budget. So here in Toronto, he's unleashed. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, there's an internal budget. There's a, hey, you can't use this pick. Hey, out of outside of the core five players, you can move anybody pretty much you want as long as you're getting something that's going to help this team in the playoffs. He now has that ability, and hearing those things really made me excited because the media here in Toronto would have you believe that Brad True Living is not a deadline GM, doesn't make deals around the deadline, but if you dig a little deeper, there was a reason. The ownership in Calgary did not want that. So now we have an unleashed Trey Living, a trade deadline, with assets and many, many other things within the Leaf organization he can offer to players coming in. So what do you think? Do you think we get a little bit of wild Tray at the deadline where he's a gunslinger and gets what he wants? And I'm not talking about big deals. I'm talking about players that you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. You look at uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. What are they very good at at the deadline? Now, Tanner Jeannot was not one of those things. No, Tampa usually goes out and finds the guys – that they covet, they pay the price, and they win the cup. Vegas did it last year. They went out, they got Barbashev, the guy they coveted, brought him in, they went on a run, they won the cup. Because they went and found the guys that filled a deficiency on the team. Now, I think Brad Treliving is smart enough to figure those things out himself. doesn't need guys like me or you or any pundit to no. tell him what he needs. But he will find those players where his team is deficient and go get them. And he has the ability now to be unleashed to do so with no restrictions. He just has to talk to Daddy Shanny and say, hey, we're doing this. And Shanny probably say yes, given the fact that Trey Living is very well respected.
0: Yeah, I think we could see some wild craziness from a uh, wild uh, Brad Trey Living this uh, trade deadline. But I also, there's a part of me that says, does he really want to do it? And does he want to see what this team is really all about because they're clicking so well and do you really want to mess up the room right now and the way they're playing i I do think they everybody knows what their needs are they need depth forwards and they need a defenseman and you know i mean in the offseason we can address who's the number one goalie on this team and can we get a number one defenseman okay that's fine because it's that's tough to do with the trade deadline and everybody knows it But as you said, he's got the assets now. Really, nobody's holding them back. Things will go through Shanahan ownership, but MLSC is willing to spend the money. They always have been the heck. They paid Mike Babcock to go away. So, you know, that they're willing to spend the money to do that. So, I mean, look, I think it's going to come down to what teams are in certain positions come the deadline and who he likes the most. And where he wants to fill the need the most, right? We've talked about defense. Can they get more depth scoring? Of course you can, outside of the guys, the Nylanders. The, after the Core 5, we know that they need some help up there because the Bertuzzi signing really hasn't What's paid. A
1: lot of people are forgetting here. Is There's a guy named Callie Yarncroke who scored 20 goals last year, still having to come back to this lineup, which will be soon. I believe the tail end of February, he is actually allowed to come back after missing time For the LTIR. So you bring that guy back. He pots you goals. So you have a 20-goal scorer coming back who's also, by the way, refreshed. Right. Energized. He's not tired from the grind. He's been out for probably a month and a half now. So you're injecting that guy into your lineup, which is like picking up a player at him at deadline. So you already
0: got that coming back. Exactly. That's your trade deadline pickup. And I said that before Arvidsson got hurt the other night with the Kings. When he came back for L.A., I'm like, oh, this – the way he's playing, that's their trade deadline pickup. And I think you've seen that with certain guys coming back that you're saying, okay, well, that, that's their pickup because they don't need to really do anything. Well, we know Toronto, everything revolves around that defense, right? And, you know, we as much as they love Tanev, they can find other options out there. And I think that's where Brad Tridham is going to look because I think what he's going to do is he's going to say, well, I'm interested in all these guys. How can you make the deal for Tanev better for me? because I know what I can get for these guys and maybe that's the where the the wild and craziness Brad Trey Living we see come out and look we know what what they're going to talk about you know Shanahan and Trey Living are going to work one-on-one we're going to talk with Keith as well it's gonna be a nice collective decision but we know that defensively this team needs to play better and they're doing it right now without Riley and again when Riley comes back after his suspension that he's going to be a little bit more refreshed than what he was going into end of the season. So. They're getting their kind of semi-deadline pickups early. Yes, Riley's is, was a suspension or else he would have been playing. But, hey, got some games off. Okay, now he's refreshed. That body can, can you Reel know. around a
1: bit better.
0: Exactly, because he had to go through all-star. He had to take a little bit of time off there. So, you know, I think, to me, I think they may be a little conservative, but I would not be surprised if they make an upgrade or two just to fill need. Like we always talk about with their arrival, the Bruins, when they look to bring in guys, they look to bring in guys that can fit their team, and that's why they extend those guys. And I think that's something Trey Living is going to look to do.
1: I think so too. I think whatever deal he makes, if it's attached to the first-round pick, there will be a retention extension on both whoever comes in. They'll save the money, and they'll also extend the guy. A guy right now that is extending his goal-scoring streak and his lead amongst others is Austin Matthews. I want to ask you just a gut feeling on Austin Matthews this season. Nobody's talking about the fact tonight, I know it's only tonight, but he can score 50 in Arizona, 50 goals. Everybody's like, man, it's Austin Matthews and 50 goals. Call me. Pick me up the phone when he hits 70. That's when I'll get excited now because 50 is so last year. I don't care about 50 goals. It seems that way. How do you feel about Matthews this year?
0: I mean, I love watching the kid play. I mean, American board player. I mean, you know, obviously he's got um, Hispanic descent and everything with his mom. But I love the fact that he's, you know, one of the best generational goal scorers we have seen. Like, you know, you talk about it. It's Ovechkin, now it's Matthews. Like, that kind of torch is being passed. You had, like, Hulls and, and all those guys. And I love the fact that Matthews is the one doing it. And I was having this conversation with a bunch of guys over the weekend, and we're saying, like, look, if Matthews touches 70, 75 goals, how is he not a finalist for the Hart Trophy? Like, he has That's to be in a if he's not? I mean, he has to be in a conversation. Will he win it? I'm not sure if he'll win it, but because of what Kucherov and McKinnon are doing.
1: Well, but I'll ask you this, though if Matthews isn't scoring as many goals as he is, are the Leafs winning as many games as they do? That is the definition of the heart. It is. I
0: mean, but I can make the argument, but I can make the argument first half of the season it was about William Nylander.
1: It was, but Matthews was still scoring goals.
0: I know he was, but I'm saying, like, that's kind of where the argument is. Look, I personally think if he hits 75 goals, he's going to be a finalist and probably might win the thing because we saw one year, what was it, um, Gretzky was—I think it was '90, 90, '91. Gretzky had the most points, when the Art Ross going away, but Brett Hall had 86 goals and was given the Hart Trophy. I mean, the dude put up 86 goals. Like that—that that has to be the hardest
1: thing to get in the NHL. Exactly.
0: He is. It's the best. And if Matthews could put—if he does that again, think of—if he passes his own goal total when the year he won it was it like 64, 65, the year he won it, yeah, the Hart Trophy. If he goes past that by like 10, we haven't seen 70 since
1: 9293.
0: Yeah, I mean, how do you not make the argument? And to be honest, I think there should be more of a big deal. The fact that he could potentially hit 50 goals in his home state. Like, that's some that's that's a big deal. Like, think about it. He goes home and hits 50 goals. Like, what does that do for the state of Arizona? Arizona hockey. Like the league in general, I think that's something that needs to be talked about more. It's like he, over the week,
1: celebrated a lot more.
0: It's like over the weekend when the Devils went back to the Meadowlands. There wasn't a lot of talk about first game since two thousand seven in that area. That should have been a bigger deal than it was. And I yeah, think that's like what it's the same them. thing here. I think it's the same thing here.
1: Yep. No, no. Big moments are lost on this league. The NHL does a bad job at celebrating or hyping up potential storylines that are easily you start talking about that everybody's talking about it it becomes one of the biggest stories but nobody's talking about it because again everybody's like oh, it's austin matthews it's another goal big deal it's the maple leafs who cares another story about the leafs yeah right, <laughs> right. that's but what the, everybody says
0: but toronto technically is the hockey hotbed right i mean they're they're that's what they have a league office there, there
1: there's something i always say if you're having a slow day with your team insert Maple Leafs and doomsday scenario, and you have yourself a tweet that will run wild for the
0: day. Exactly, and Toronto—it's one of—it's like Notre Dame in college football, Duke, whatever. It's, you love them or you hate them, and you're going—but you're going to watch them.
1: You're—you're going to pay attention. I get. You can ask most National Hockey League fans a question about the Maple Leafs, and they'll know the answer. Why? Because no matter what they feel about the team, they pay attention to everything about the Leafs. Absolutely. something, Something we should be paying attention to is the Coyotes. There's a lot of rumblings around them. Obviously, with the ownership maybe merging with the basketball team down there, that could be a potential thing. If Morello can't get the land that he's bidding on, if he loses that, I think, for real, this team... Gets bought by the owner of the uh, the the um, my God the Phoenix Suns, and they become two tenants in one new building that'll happen down the line. But for now, for the time being, they would stay there. They play in the Suns rink, and they'd stay in that spot. And that's the way it's gonna go. The reason why I say that is because I think Mister Smith down in Salt Lake City. As much as he's making the noise that he'll buy the Arizona coyotes and save the world, he wants his own expansion draft.
0: Yes because he what does the expansion
1: draft does do. it brings the energy, it brings the noise it does bring the money, but it brings the energy, it brings the eyeballs. it brings everybody talking about what your team is going to do with an expansion draft. and you are the topic du jour. You can bring in all the celebrities. You can hype it up and have fun. I'm saying it, man. As much as Mur- uh, Murillo would probably love to sell it to him for an inflated price, I think that's just all smoke and mirrors to make this guy look even better to the league and all the board and all everybody that, hey, I'm willing to spend the dough to save the Coyotes. But if you give me an expansion team, I'll still spend the dough. But we'll all have a little fun
0: absolutely no i agree i mean look what happened in vegas look what happened in seattle you'll see it in the other places they expand you know if you go to houston if you go to salt lake city back to, you Atlanta know, for the back to yeah exactly and mark my words if the coyotes were to relocate they're going back there as an expansion team because they just love that market they love that state and if it was done right the first time it would have been tampa west because yeah. everybody would want to go there there's no really state income tax to speak of at the desert the nice weather all this stuff they just can't seem to win that's the problem they haven't won really since the 90s like consistently when they had like when they were the winnipeg jets and they moved to the, to the phoenix area yeah. yeah they had the one run in 2012 right and they've had some runs here and there but it's always been an ownership problem since the day they've gotten there. It's been a building problem. It's the never-ending saga. You know, we all grew up reading the never-ending story. This is really the real-life version of the never-ending story. Is that never is, been. it's right here. The Coyotes just look. It's they're they they have a good young team too. They really do. Like they they're starting to build that fan base, but the problem is the clock's ticking, and with new. And here's the thing, right? Marty Ross has come in as the new NHLPA executive director. And he's kind of put his foot down and he's basically told Gary Bettman and the league that the players are not happy playing in a college arena and it doesn't look good for the league. And the fact of the matter is this is kind of the first year you've heard noise that the league has kind of put a timeline and everything before it was like, all right, when you get to it, you get to it, give us all these options the clock's ticking. And I got to imagine like last time, when the last time we had relocation, it really didn't happen until the end of May. I'm going to be looking for that timeline as well, because if they really can't get anything done here, I would expect something to happen around that time. Unless, you know, they figure out a way to save everything again.
1: Yeah, no, I can fully agree with you. And I think I think, in my heart of hearts, I do believe they will stay in Phoenix, Arizona. I do think they will couple up with the Suns. And I think that'll be the happy marriage that we've all been looking for. A stable ownership group with an already occupied building that they can put the team into, no problem. And then they already have ties with the state, with the city, that they really can work things together and get an actual new arena built for the Suns and the Coyotes under the ownership of... That'll be taking over. And I think that's the best way to go it. Before we end this one tonight, I want to get your gut reaction. What do you think the score will be between the Leafs and Coyotes? I say this because the Coyotes are famous for having the Maple Leafs number, especially down in Arizona.
0: Well, what is it? They've beat has what is it? like the Coyotes have beaten them like the last couple of times they played, right? Like it is, they, but the
1: record I think is like, if I'm not mistaken, 21 and 8. Or something like that since the early 2000s. I believe C. Peter said yesterday. So you look at that and it's like,
0: ooh, ooh,
1: ooh. Yeah. They've had the number.
0: I mean, I, I'm gonna, I think the way the Maple Leafs are rolling right now, I, I think they're going to go in there. And I think they're going to win. And I think it, Matthews will get 50. He might go over 50 uh, in this game. I, I think Arizona keeps it close for a little bit. Leafs 5-3.
1: All right, all right. I'll take a win. I've been saying all day that I got a gut feeling that they're not going to pull it off, but now you got me a little hyped up. I'm saying it's three-one Maple Leafs. It's an empty net goal. It's Matthews to start it off, getting fifty, starting the festivities right from Matthew Nyes. The empty net goal will be Matthew Nyes. Both yeah. easy boys on the board, taking it home for the Maple Leafs, sending everyone home happy because the Leafs will win but the Arizona boys stood up and represented for their city.
0: I agree. I think that's going to happen. I, I would like to see that happen. That would be a cool moment, like just to see the Arizona boys. And uh, are we going to get a little repeat of what we heard the other night when the Oilers were in town? I felt like an Oilers home game. I feel like we're going to have a Maple Leafs home game tonight too.
1: Um, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be heavily dominated by Maple Leaf fans, but it's only because a lot of the Phoenix Coyote fans – our Maple Leaf fans as well because of the Austin Matthews Matthew nice connection. You got to root for your homegrown talent too. So it's not hard for a lot of people down there to tug on a blue and white sweater for at least one. Year.
0: <laughs> exactly. It should be a good one. I mean, you know, it's a light night on, on the schedule when Wednesdays always are as we come off that big weekend. But you know, look, Toronto's playing well right now, you know, Phoenix and ne- Arizona never really easy, but the way Toronto's gotten off the games, good quick starts. The goaltending's been there defensively. They've been playing well, and, you know this is a winnable game for this team, and, and there's there's no reason why they should be dropping points to another bad team in the standings.
1: Well, let's hope that they don't drop bad points. But Jim, where can everybody find you? Where can they listen to you, see you? I see it all the time, but nobody <laughs> else doesn't.
0: Yeah, check me out at Jim Berenger uh, Twitter X. Uh, you could follow me on there. You get the full press, uh, NHL podcast, uh, on Spotify, iTunes, or we're giving it wherever you get your podcast, uh, at mad radio as well. as got our final word on hockey show, uh, full press NHL, NHL rumors.com. I write a bunch of stuff there as well. So guys go check it out, follow along. And it's never a bad thing because it's always fun. I interact with you. Trust me. I do. It's fun. It's fun. I do. So, uh, (laughs) Don't be afraid uh, to leave a comment and just say hi.
1: Definitely. Enjoy it 100%. Make sure you interact with Jim. He always gets back at you, and he knows his stuff. So, Jim, I want to thank you. You always say yes when I set up a time with you. So I appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you drop a subscribe over here and over there. But you know what this is. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.